0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Midnight Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I see some faces that I don't recognize. You may be new, or I just don't remember meeting you. So, regardless, I will say uh, just an introduction again. My name is Pastor David, and if you are visiting, if this is a visit for you, welcome. Uh, I've been an Ontario resident for six-ish weeks now. And uh, I think if I were to run for uh, premier, one of my first uh, items on the docket would be outlawing milk and bags. (laughs) I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. I've tried. I've tried to be patient. I've tried different ways to cut it different techniques to pour. I'm sorry, it does not work. So, I don't know. I wish you guys would have warned me about that before we came here. Or, you know, I don't know. Anyway, prove me wrong. How about that? Next potluck, bring a, bring a bag of milk, cut it, show me how to pour it. All right. You need the picture, but I st- I can't. I must be holding it upside down or something because it's not it's not working. All right. Continuing series in the book of Colossians this morning. Um, I don't know what number we're at. This might be four or five. I'm not sure. My title this morning is "Alive in Christ." And the, the purpose I believe that Paul wrote the book of Colossians to the church there. Is that they were in danger of being taken off track there was something sneaking into the church that was very dangerous and he was warning them about it so the one thought that i want you to go home with today while you're sitting in the drive through waiting for your fried chicken or you're driving home today or sitting in your backyard there's one idea i want you to have in your mind that if you hear nothing else this morning there's a short little phrase in verse 10 in Colossians chapter 2, I want this to ring in your minds as you're driving away. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Audrey, what? how did yours word it again? In Christ, you've been made complete. Is that what it said? Uh, verse 10. You are complete. I want you to have that in your mind today. In Christ, you've been brought to fullness. You are complete in Christ. Let me read verse 8 again. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather, than on Christ. And I'll be honest, the more I think about this verse, the more I read it, It maybe terrifying is the wrong word, but it's a very sobering verse, that there is this idea, this philosophy, this something that is lurking close to or near to the church. It's it's not easy to see. It says it's deceptive. And it's hollow, it doesn't, pro- it doesn't deliver on its promises, but that there's this idea that is maybe mingling around us, you know, close to us, on the horizon, kind of working its way, weaseling its way into the church. Paul says this philosophy is based on two things. It's based on human tradition, but he said it's also based on elemental spiritual forces. What is he talking about here? I think it's very plain. He's talking about the demonic evil forces that are in this world. And their sole purpose, their sole goal is to f- turn us away from Christ, to distract us, to get us off track, to trick us, to deceive us, to make us think we're doing good things when we're not, or to lead us into evil things. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For many of us, this might be a familiar verse we've heard before. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are evil, demonic forces, spiritual forces, that their purpose and their goal is to trick us, is to deceive us. They're here, they're among us, they're working around us first peter 5 8 says this be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour there are evil forces in our world that are hell-bent on tricking us on deceiving us of pulling us away from christ so a sobering thought i think But I think many of us probably think, well, I can't see that. That could never happen to me. But I think if we were honest with ourselves, if we were able to see ourselves a little more clearly, to step back, I think many of us are on the brink of being captivated or have been captivated at times or are captivated right now. When I look at my life as a young kid, I was definitely what you would call an overachiever especially when it came to school. I, I, I was an overachiever. And if I look back, I, I can't see any glaring error my parents made. Um, it's not like they were driving me to perfection and to perform in school. I can't look at the school system and say, well, that's why I became like that. But there was something inside of me, that, an inner drive I had to just do well in school. Um, but the problem is, is that i could never do well enough and i was constantly beating myself up and frustrated with myself um, and in my mind if i failed to get something or understand something and i could only see this now looking back i thought i'm not good enough and i can see this pattern in my spiritual life and i can look at my life and see the times where it had taken over my spiritual life where I began to overachieve or belittle myself or get frustrated with my 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 ability to what I thought I needed to do to please God and so there was this horrible cycle of I gotta get here to please God and I would work so hard and all this effort to do these things and then inevitably what happens you mess up you miss the mark and then there's this cycle of, of depression and anger and frustration and shame and guilt. And what does that do? It ramps it up. Think, well, I just, if I just work a little bit harder this time, and if I get it right this time, then I'll arrive. And what happens again? We fail. We slip up, we mess up, and the cycle goes around and around. Is anyone familiar with that? Am I the only one? I call it the cycle of insanity. You never get there. And I can remember as a young man, particularly in my younger years, my teenage years, my own personal battle with my thought life and my, my, what I call my purity battle as a young man. I would fail so many times. And it would just, the cycle would go faster and faster and faster. Here's the problem with this cycle. I never get closer to God when I'm on that wheel. In fact, it distances me from God. Why is that? Because I've become the focus and there's an idolatry of, of self where if I just get this right and it's all about me, it's all about Dave. It has nothing to do with God. God has been kicked out of the picture. The hard part is, on the outside, it seems like wisdom. It seems like a good idea. Isn't it a good idea to be more holy? But it's not it's not how it works. As we'll see, our holiness, our righteousness, it was never about what Dave could do. It's about what Christ did. So Paul was, I believe, speaking to the Colossian church about this kind of idea, this idea performance idea this you've got to work hard to get it right you got to do a b c and d to be accepted by god and it was sneaking in to the colossian church and he's saying guys be careful watch out it's around you it's close to you this deceptive hollow philosophy this performance mentality This, you've got to do this to be righteous. You've got to add this to your faith and do these things. He's saying, guys, watch out. It's close to you. It's sneaking into your church. This is something I think we all struggle with, even outside our spiritual lives, in our personal lives, our jobs, our families, our social groups, maybe in our hobbies. We want to perform well. Or at least appear as if we're performing well right we want to be accepted we want to be loved we want to be honored we want to be rewarded we do it for prestige for bragging rights we want to be noticed we want to maintain our sense of self-worth confidence etc etc but you all know this is hollow because it never ends if you stop what's going to happen You can't just maintain it sometimes you got to keep it's got to keep amping up and getting it gets harder and harder to achieve what we need to you know this appearance we need to maintain it's a vicious cycle and we know that if we stop the house of cards will fall and then at least in our minds whether it's true or not we think if if I stop people are going to know the truth and what's the truth we think in our minds I am worthless I am pathetic. My life is a mess. I'm not worthy. This cycle, as I said, can sneak into our spiritual lives. And often, it's because of the pressure we feel from others to conform, to behave well, to appear as if we have it all together. This, this kind of thinking, unfortunately, is often present in established churches like this. And you say, oh, how does Pastor Dave know that? <laughs> he, see, he sees us. Well, it's not a secret. right? You're not the only established church. This is, a, this is something that happens to churches that have been around for a while. There is, that develops over time, just a natural... Uh, way we we, we are. This is us. This is our tribe. This is what we're like. This is how we dress. This is how we look. This is how our kids behave. This is how we smell. These are the things we're allowed to do. These are the things we're not allowed to do. It's here. And many of us, me included, I've grown up in the church. I've been in the game a long time. Many of us, if I asked you what those rules were, you couldn't say. Why? Because you've been in it so long, you don't even see it. But if a new believer came to this church, or someone from another culture, you better believe they will know what it is. Maybe take them two Sundays, three Sundays, a month, they could tell you what some of those rules are, and they would feel it. I have a small taste of that. Years ago, my late 20s, early 30s, someday I'll tell the whole story, but not this morning. But I mean, I I ran from God. And I lived a wild life. I did what I wanted to do. I wasn't following God. I did whatever I wanted to do. And I got to the bottom. And I knew that I needed to come back to church. Because I needed to find God. Boy, I I knew the people who uh, thought that I shouldn't be there or wonder what I was doing there. I could hear the whispers. And I could see the next turn on a Sunday morning when Dave would walk in. (laughs) What's he doing here? Did you hear what he did? I know what that's like. But unfortunately, that does exist in our churches, and it gets woven into our lives. It just becomes a part of who we are. And suddenly, being a Christian means a whole lot more than it's supposed to, with our rules, our regulations, and our expectations. This is what was happening to the Colossian church, or at least there was a very real risk of it taking over the church, which is why Paul wrote the letter to keep the Colossians on track. But rather than head on, face this philosophy head on to just smash into it, Paul doesn't do that here. What does he do? He simply states the truth. And that's that statement that I want you to go home with today. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Guys, that, that isn't just a point in my sermon this morning. That's not something I just wrote in my notes that sounds cute. That's from the Word of God. And I wish I could take the time to look every one of you in the eye and say this to you. This is God's Word to you this morning. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. There is nothing that we need to do to earn his favor. There's nothing we need to do to be forgiven or to earn his forgiveness. There's nothing I need to do to become more holy. It was never about me. It was always about Christ. So if you hear nothing else this morning, let those words ring in your mind. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. We are forgiven and cleansed. There's nothing we need to add to our experience. Don't the scriptures say that even our very best is like filthy rags? You think you got something hot shot? Nothing. You got nothing. Filthy rags. It's all in Christ. So in verse 8. Paul says this philosophy is, is based on two things, this sneaking thing that's in the church. It's based on our human tradition, our unwritten rules perhaps, or some would call it a religious spirit that's in a church. But it's also based on elemental spiritual forces. Guys, this is not something that's just kind of funny and innocent that happens over time. You wonder why this is so prevalent and so powerful in a church? Because there are demonic forces in the background promoting this, pursuing it, weaving it into the patterns of our life. It's not a joke. It's not some simple thing that we kind of get over. There are demonic spiritual forces at work promoting this, pushing this upon us. In verses 9 and 10 let me read those it says for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness so Christ the fullness of God who's the one that provides our fullness the one who is the fullness of God is he capable is he able is he qualified yes He is the head over every power and authority. You remember a few Sundays ago, we talked about that supernova description of Christ? So Christ, our ruler, our creator, our sustainer, he is the one who can bring us to fullness. He's qualified. I won't go into it this morning because I don't have time to read and go through all these verses in detail, but in 11... To 15, which we'll talk about for a few minutes. If you're a note taker, there's three ways that Christ has brought us to fullness, and I want to talk about each one for just a moment. The first one in verse 11 to 13, we have been made alive with Christ. We have been made alive with Christ. Our fleshly nature has died, and we have been raised to new life. We have been born again that's the first way that we've been brought to fullness we have been made alive with christ we have been born again for those who follow christ we have been made new we are now god's people we have been raised from the dead just like our baptism symbolizes our old self has been crucified and we have been raised with christ god does all this this is god's work I don't need to fix myself I don't need to repair myself I have been made new second Corinthians 517 says this therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here you've been made new you've been made new you didn't make you're not going to make yourself new you have already been made new in grenfell years ago i was filling up our car at the gas station and there was a gentleman uh, it it was shocking to my mind i looked over as i was filling our car and there was a gentleman who his car was parked and his door was open and he was on the ground wedged sort of in the v of his door and he was stuck on the ground and i was kind of like you you never see you, you see those things and you're like what's going on what am i seeing why is he stuck there I went over and i said sir do you need help because it looked like he had been struggling for some time to get up he was all dirty and sweaty and very distraught and he said actually i I, i'm he said i'm mostly paralyzed from the waist down but he said "I, i i have enough strength usually i can get out of my car and i can walk myself to the back of the car and i can get my my wheelchair out myself and he said i don't know what happened i just collapsed and i um, he, he couldn't get up, so I waved another guy over and said, hey, let's help this guy. So we got his wheelchair, we picked him up, sat him down, and, and got him on his way. He was very thankful. Um, yeah, it was just it, it, it was a memorable thing that I experienced. And I thought about him many times over the years, just the struggles that he lives with. Um, but, you know, and I'm not saying this as any slight to someone who, who's in a wheelchair, who, who is crippled, but before Christ, we were spiritually crippled. There is nothing you could do to get up and walk. You were broken. You were hurting. You were hopelessly lost. You could not get up. But when christ came into your life it's not as if you just got back into your wheelchair you were given new legs you were healed spiritually guys we have been given new life the old has gone the new has come so first way we're brought to fullness we're made new in christ the second way you can read about this in verse 13 to 14 we have been forgiven Your debt is canceled. Every sin has been paid for. If it were possible and there was a stack of your sins recorded, trust me, this is not my stack. My stack would be far larger than this. But if there was a stack of every sin you've ever committed recorded, you know what it would, if there were bills, you know what it would say at the bottom? Oh, you got ahead of me. Amount owed death. Yeah. Amount owed, death. But at the bottom of all of ours, what's stamped there? You've just said it. Paid in full. Every single one. And whose name is signed at the bottom? Jesus. Paid in full. Paid in full. Guys, the debt has the debt has been cancelled. The debt does not exist anymore. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, well, in today's world, especially in the younger generation, does debt make any sense? Because debt is almost encouraged now. It's almost a good thing to have debt. So I thought, well, let's, let's try and modernize this a bit and help us to understand this. So how many are familiar with Facebook? Don't, you don't use it, but you're familiar with it. Oh, come on, there's more, that, more of you than that. You can raise your hands. We'll just edit that out. None of you use Facebook, I'm sure, right? You have no idea what it is. What if tomorrow morning, every sin that you have committed your entire life was posted to your Facebook feed? And then in real time, every sin you commit gets posted. So there's a running tally of your sin posted for the world to see. Could you get a job? Would you lose your job? What about your family and friends? What would they think of you? Could you go outside anymore? I mean, every thought, guys, every lustful moment, every covetous moment, every time you've lied or gossiped or stolen or cheated, Everything post post post. What would your life be like? It'd be tough So here's the equivalent When you received Christ not only was every post deleted from the internet But it was deleted from everyone's memory The debt is cancelled You're in the clear All because of Christ. You've been brought to fullness. You've been brought to fullness, made alive in Christ. You've been forgiven. And the last one I'll mention just briefly. These dark forces and powers that we were talking about, they have been disarmed. Christ demolished them on the cross. They have no power over us. And all the practices and laws that we think we need to follow and, and obligations we feel those are destroyed not necessary not necessary you've been made alive in christ you've been made new in christ in christ you have been brought to fullness do you think jesus was kidding when he said it is finished it is finished the work is done One of the most helpful things someone told me once, they said, Dave, you are as holy today in God's eyes as the day you found Christ. It doesn't matter how many decades, years, months between the day you find Christ and, and today, nothing has changed and you're standing in God's eyes. When you found Christ, you were marked as righteous. He sees the righteousness of his son Jesus. Your holiness has not improved, it has not gotten lower. You were marked as holy in God's eyes. Nothing I need to do. So here's some signs you may have been taken captive by this philosophy. You feel like you're in a spiritual rat race. No matter what you do in your mind, you never arrive. You're never good enough for God. You always feel like you're striving to feel accepted. There always seems to be more to do. And you always feel like you're failing, you're coming up short. For anyone who feels that in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. It was never about you. Another sign, your neck gets sore. You don't want to hear that. So it's another way of saying you've got some judgment in your heart. So when the. If someone were to walk in this morning who didn't look, smell, act like us, you might get a crunk in your neck. And listen, if I were to point a finger at you, how many are pointing back at me? I don't stand above this. There is judgment in my heart. All that tells me is that there is a standard. There is something that we've maybe added to what it means to be a believer to be a follower of Jesus because listen for all of us who found Christ here there was no standard for you Jesus met you where you were at hopelessly broken and lost he came and found you I used to always say that I'm so grateful for God because he's a God who chases He's a God who chases us in our dark times when we blow it. Man, I blew it in my life. But it wasn't about me. He pursued me and chased me. It wasn't because I was a good guy. It was because he is amazing. The danger of these things, of this kind of philosophy, of this, of this religious spirit, whatever you want to call it, As I said before, it doesn't lead us closer to God. It leads us further. But then you say, Pastor Dave, what about works? What about discipline? What about obedience? What about all the things that we're supposed to work on? These are a response to what Christ has already done. These are not a requirement to be accepted by Christ. Let me say that again. These are a response to what Christ has done. These are not a requirement to be accepted. I wrote it here in my notes. These are evidence of a changed life, not that which changes our life. God wants our love, our devotion, our passion. He wants a relationship. He doesn't want us to feel obligated and living in fear and striving after him. In Christ, we have been brought to fullness, that gentleman who was on the ground who couldn't get up. You know, if that was us spiritually, when we found Christ, when we were brought to fullness, you weren't just plunked back in the wheelchair, you were given new legs. And now it's our responsibility to, to run, to walk, to jump. It's a response to what God has done. Our, our striving, if you want to call it that, our work, our labor, our obedience, our discipline, that's supposed to be a response. It's not a requirement. One of the things I've heard so many times over the years especially from people who have maybe come to church for a season or who have left the church or maybe a new believer who's kind of joined a community for a season and then seems to drift away. One of the things I, I've heard, them say, heard people say over and over again, when I've had the chance to talk to them, they've said, I just feel like the church is too, too judgmental. I feel judged. I'll say one thing first. Well, the door swings both ways. There's people who come into the church, who come to Christ and there's, you know, the devil is prowling around. They're looking for an excuse to leave. So it's not all on us. But I think we need to admit that part of it is on us. The church can be a judgmental place. People do feel judged at times, but I wonder if we'd seem a whole lot less judgmental, if we truly grasped and truly relied on the fact that in Christ we have been brought to fullness, none of us are here because we're special and amazing. Hate to break it to you. You're here because of the amazing creator, redeemer, sustainer, the one who seeks out the lost sheep, the one who came and gave his life for us, the one who redeemed us all. We're here because of him. We're not special because we are well behaved or we have got everything figured out. Christ is special and he loves you for who you are. And he came to you when you were broken and lost. I wonder if we'd be a lot less judgmental if we all walked around living in and remembering that. Dave is holy, not because of Dave, but because of Christ. And he's given me new legs. It's just my job to run. So please, when you go home today, when you drive out of here, Have that thought in your mind in Christ. You know what? Why don't we do something? You guys are all comfortable and ready to try something, not too crazy. I said I wish I could look each one of you in the eye and say that to you. I think we really need to hear it. So would you look to your neighbor? And don't just say it with your eyes down and just quickly say it. Make eye contact and tell your neighbor, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Go for it. <laughs> and for those of you who are cheating, I'm making a note. Just kidding. All right, Sam, why don't you come and lead us? God bless you.